Oh, right. you didn't tell me it was that music. <laughs> you ready? Everyone ready? And we, all right. This is WFA Talks. I'm Greg Collard, news director here, and I'm joined by assistant news director Lisa Wharf. How's Lisa this week? I'm doing well this week. Yes. Yes? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, lots of uh, fun uh, stuff from Purple Shirt Guy to uh, potatoes all over I-77. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, man. You've, you've had some interesting uh, ideas in news meetings this, uh, recently, <laughs> and I, they've, uh, I, I approve of them. <laughs> They've Thank been fun, you. some fun ideas. Uh, we're also joined by the first time, for the first time by David Borix, our environmental reporter. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing great. You've been here since November, right? You started right. in November. Of course, you're, you've been uh, a part-time employee uh, with us for a long time, too, and have done some freelance stuff. You ran a site, uh, davidsonnews.net and corneliusnews.net. I ran those local news yeah. websites up there in North Mech for about nine years, from 2006 until Last summer when we decided to shut them down, we just weren't making it as a business. And uh, very happy to have found WFAE as my fallback. Yeah. Yes, well, we're happy to have you here. Absolutely. You've been, you've been killing it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a news hound at heart, so uh, there's plenty of news to go around, and I'm really having fun chasing it. So. Yeah. Well, uh, your, uh, your biz- the, you know, the loss of uh, having to shut down your business was certainly our, our gain. But, you, you, but i got to say, I, I admire someone who opens a business. I think – I really do. I think it's, it's brave. I could never do it. And I know you ran a, you, you ran a great site too and we, we had a partnership and you, you had a lot of good stories. And um, it was uh, – it might not have been the financial success you, 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 you wanted. It certainly uh, – I think it's fair to say was a great community success. It was a great experience uh, to run the business and to plan it out and to watch it grow over the years and to get the acclaim that we did and to go speak at conferences about this, you know, was kind of breaking new ground in terms of local news delivery. Uh, Most small towns in America don't have a -a 24-hour-a-day newspaper like we were. So uh, it was a lot of fun, but we never really figured out how to pay for it, and uh, that's the bottom line. But it has given me a new appreciation for the business side of news. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it's fun to be here at WFAE and see a slightly different model, which relies a lot on our listeners to make voluntary payments to us. And uh, we tried to do that at our site and had a little more difficult time. But uh, we do appreciate our listeners here. So Absolutely. Um, and, uh, of course, we get we get uh, support from listeners because I appreciate the good work that you all do. And speaking uh, but uh, speaking of work, getting to work for it was uh, a challenge for many today. The potato, the great de- de- potato deba- debacle on I-77, 50,000 pounds of, de- of potatoes are fall off a truck or a tractor trailer, trailer crashes near uptown on I-77. 50,000 pounds of potatoes. To, did it affect you on your way to work this morning? It, it, you know, I, the looked, backup? I looked at my uh, map program this morning and it said, take I-77 and only take you 28 minutes. And uh, I just didn't believe that. So I came to back roads as usual and I got in here in 33 minutes. But It didn't, it didn't get in my way. I was going north I-77. But um, if you want to know how much 50,000 pounds of potato spreads out to once it's ripped off of a tractor trailer, um, that is about a tenth of a mile it spreads out to. I, I talked to one of the, the troopers this afternoon 
who was out there on the scene trying to get this thing taken care of. A tenth of a mile. A that's tenth 176 of a mile. yards. That's like one and three quarter football fields. Wow. I'm impressed you knew that right off the bat. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, is this, you, you figured we it out We had a before? discussion okay. about right. this beforehand, and, and David looked it up. So Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so uh, you, you were trying to you were trying to interview someone who was part of the cleanup, and the interview is going to be a big one, a good one for for all things considered this evening. It, it fell through. What, what what happened? Yeah, so I I got the record company that that was in charge of this. So I called NCDOT and asked them, you know, what kind of cleanup crews they had on, and they said, well, we got to check. We actually, it's not us contracting with a cleanup crew. It's the um, the trucking company, I believe, who uh, was responsible for that truck uh, that ends up having to do the contract. So was a wrecking company uh, based on old Statesville Road. So I called them up and, yeah, right away they got me Dwayne, who is their head uh, driver <laughs> for – Dwayne. For- for, yeah, I don't know his last name, um, and he was he was at that um, cleanup at four thirty in the morning, I believe he said. And so um, he, I said, "Well, can I come down and interview you? You're not far away. I said, I'll be there in in fifteen minutes." And he said, "That's that's good, un- unless I have another call." So um, so I tried to race down there, um, and he got another call, and I was called yeah. off. But I did get to ask him. I I said. I said, so how do you even go about starting to clean up 50,000 pounds of potatoes? And he said, very matter-of-factly, well, it's it's simple. You get some dump trucks, and you start picking them up. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have an army out there? <laughs> I don't know how many people, but they also had to, to um, call in a hazardous waste uh, company as well because, you know, there was a lot of oil, uh, s- some oil spill on there too. But uh, it sounds like the, the driver early this morning of that truck fell asleep for an instance and, and basically uh, drove – ran into that wall, that that short wall that divides I-77 southbound from that very long, uh, annoying exit 9. And that's what happened. So... um and I have not heard of any any injuries that that took place, yeah. but except to a lot of potatoes. Yes, yeah, to a lot of potatoes, and I don't know. I don't know where all those potatoes are. It's the environmental waste company that had to to figure that out. Where the potatoes come from? And and uh, Sarah, I I don't know that either. I don't know what trucking company, but but our reporter Sarah Delia had a good question. She said, you know, is there going to be a shortage of potatoes in grocery stores this weekend because of that. And, you know, if there's 50,000 pounds of potatoes, yeah, you got to think there might be something of a shortage. I don't know. But, you know, were they, red were they bound for <laughs> Charlotte? Were they bound for yeah. South Carolina, Georgia? I don't know. So, All right. Um, well, let's move on to some other matters. <laughs> <laughs> David, uh, you, you had an, just a really intriguing story this week because – uh, about uh, Tesla and its electric car maker, it's uh, has a new model coming out that's going more geared for the for the mass market, and it wants to sell directly to the public. But uh, Charlotte area auto dealers have stepped in and said, "No, you can't do that." And it appears the law is on their side, right? I mean, it, it, might, it appears that way anyway. Well, the law in North Carolina is not as stringent in some, some other states, but. Tesla's been having trouble all over the country trying to uh, carry out this different model for selling cars. Think about it. Where do you buy a car? You buy it at a car dealership. 
A car dealership is an independent business that contracts with one of the big automakers to sell their cars. These have been around since uh, the automakers got started uh, a century ago. And the reason we have them is that the automakers needed a way to get their cars into local markets. They could not immediately build a network of stores to sell their cars in. So they contracted with local businesses in each market, and that's how they got their cars out. Well, during the recession, uh, the, the Great Depression back in the 30s, the car makers wanted to keep those production lines running. And so they were pushing out cars continuously, and they required these dealers to buy cars that they didn't think they were going to be able to sell. And that was kind of a strong-arm tactic that uh, that ticked off the car dealers. And uh, there have been other issues over the years where the, the uh, automakers have come into friction with the auto dealers. And so the auto dealers did what any good business does. They went to the legislature for protection. And mm-hmm. uh, they managed in a lot of states to get laws passed that uh, – that protect them from the automakers in cases like this and in cases where um, in in more recent years uh, the automakers have wanted to maybe open their own stores and sell directly. And uh, so the established business model in the U.S. is – and unlike anywhere else in the country, there are these laws now that protect that business model that, um, you know, allows the – dealers to kind of control where the cars are sold you, you said country world you mean in the world yeah yeah, yeah. i had no idea i always i knew the system i thought it was just the system i didn't i didn't know there were actually laws in place that now protect that system and now the dealers use that to keep competition out mm-hmm. and we're, we're a country that's based on capitalism free enterprise that seems uh in some ways the antithesis of of what we think this country is about when it comes to uh, businesses. Well, you know, we have a lot of protected businesses out there. I Uh mean, there are lots of ways in which the government steps in and kind of guarantees things for certain types of businesses, not all of them. But Mm -hmm. it's become an issue again recently with, uh, you know, all kinds of companies that are disrupting the marketplace and selling in new ways. I mean, online sales of all kinds have been a real uh, thorn for traditional retailers. And we've got some uh, lines of business where you, there really is not much left. I mean, think about book selling. There's a few independent booksellers mm-hmm. left, not much else. Um, we buy so many things online these days, or at least we shop online and, and maybe buy them somewhere else. But um, the same has been true with Tesla, which decided when they were founded, uh, you know, a decade ago uh, and started making cars, and they decided they were going to sell direct to consumers over the internet. And as and and they've been kind of a startup ever since then um, until recent the last couple of years. Um, and so it wasn't that big a deal. They're selling, you know, I think last year they sold 50,000 cars that you don't need a retail network to sell 50,000 cars. And so, um, selling over the internet has been a little bit of a problem for some other businesses. And they've tried in some States to pass laws that say that Tesla can't sell cars over the internet, but it's really an issue right now because, uh, in March, Tesla announced, uh, the model three, which is mm-hmm. the next generation of its cars. And you know the the first one sold for a hundred thousand. I think the Model S sells for fifty, sixty thousand. Uh, the Model Three is going to sell for a bargain thirty five thousand. So it's still not quite a mm-hmm. mass market car like a Ford Focus or something, but uh, it is something that more people will be able to afford now. And as they ramp up production, they're going to need a way to get this out to consumers, and so they need their stores to do this. But auto, the auto dealers are saying you could sell it, it's just, or but we have to sell it for you. And so in North Carolina, in some states, the law strictly forbids car makers from selling directly in any way. Um, but in North Carolina, the law says that uh, if, if anybody wants to open up a, an establishment to sell cars, 
that other dealers have the right to object. And if they object, then there's a, a public hearing about it. Or it's, it's actually a courtroom-style hearing with lawyers and witnesses and that sort of thing. And that's what happened this week in uh, Matthews, where uh, they have a, a gallery there that, where they're selling Teslas, and uh, you can take a test drive there, but you can't buy a car there. And so this uh, hearing in Matthews involved lawyers from both sides, and the, the car dealers objected, and they said, we don't think that uh, North Carolina law, law should allow Tesla to sell cars. And um, what the law says is if there's no other car dealer around who is able to do this and the DMV deems it to be in the public interest, then they can get a license to do this. So we don't know what's going to happen in this case. The hearing officer tells me it could be a while before any decision comes out. But um, it could be a, a major decision in opening up the gates to allow other manufacturers to do the same. And I think that's what the car dealers are really worried about. But so with this, I mean, how much leeway is there to actually judge whether that should open or not uh, here in the state? I mean, the law says you've got to go through this process, but... Well, so the the question is, did the dealers make their case that it's not in the public interest to sell okay. Teslas here and that, um, you know, they are not able to do it or that they are able to do it? And so we don't know how the hearing officer is going to rule on that. But Tesla does have a store in Raleigh that they opened three years ago. And at that time, there were no objections raised and they were able to open it and get a license for how, it. How so, come? How would you, any idea why there weren't any objections? I, I, I think people, the dealers there weren't organized enough mm-hmm. to see it coming. And uh, I think there was, uh, you know, some uh, pub- publicity about Tesla and, you know. But mm-hmm. I, in this case, the dealers were very organized and they – immediately objected when Tesla put in its application. So, um, you know, I'm not quite sure uh, exactly what happened the last time around, but there was no pushback from the dealers at that time. What what is the argument from the car dealers that says, you know, us selling selling the cars to the public instead of Tesla is what's in the public's interest? So the the first thing they said is it's against the law, (laughs) which is debatable. But the other thing is they say, we, you know, we've had our dealerships for years we compete with one another. Um, you know, you can uh, haggle on price with us and get your price down, um, and we can do the best job for the consumer. And um, isn't that, know, isn't are, that Tesla's have, decision to make, or what's well, <laughs> it's their yeah. product? I mean, and the two sides, in essence, are arguing over who's the most pro-consumer here, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But a car dealership also has a service center to fix your car when you need it, and. Uh, you know, they offer all the add-ons, they offer insurance, and you can And that's get how loan. you said they get, they make most of their money, not through out, sale of a car, right? It turns out there was a, one of the expert witnesses this week uh, talked in great detail about where dealerships make their money, and they don't make money on selling cars to you. They, they make money on selling parts and service and on all those add-ons you get when you go to <laughs> sign the document. Sign this loan right here, and you go home and you find out, actually, it's not a 0.05% loan. You're actually paying 18% or something. You know, that there are lots of tactics like that. So, but, and, and of course, Tesla is arguing that it, they do not allow any haggling on price. They have a set price. It's the same in Raleigh as it is in China, as it is in California. They do not change the price on their cars. And, and that allows some transparency for a consumer. You know exactly what you're going to pay. You don't, you're never going to feel like you got a bad deal on it because there's only one deal to get. So, um, Tesla also at many of its locations is opening up service centers. So they're kind of fighting back on that argument as well. In fact, the uh, the gallery that they have out on East Independence here in the Charlotte area has a showroom with a few new cars in it. 
and it has a service center for all the existing Tesla owners around here. And uh, so it is performing some of those functions that the car dealers say only they can do. How how popular are I don't even really know how popular are Tesla cars. There's a I've never really looked into an electric car for myself. So what, what how many are how many are out there? I mean, there's it's yeah. it's in the probably the hundreds of thousands of these things around the world right now only. And uh, you know, as I said last year, I think they sold fifty thousand. Um, you know, that's uh, you know a couple of weeks output for a big automaker. I mean, it's it's just a drop mm-hmm. in the bucket right now. Which kind of begs the question, why are the dealers worried about a company that's selling practically no cars? I mean, I think they're worried about what's coming, number one, which is the Model 3. And they're worried about the other automakers seeing what Tesla is doing and deciding they want to do it too. Mm-hmm. There was an attempt. Was there an attempt a few years ago to do this or, or some talk about automakers tr- or the, actually trying to sell directly there to the public? Been a, there have been some examples in different states of the big automakers trying to do this. I think Ford – had an experiment going for a while, and it's not forbidden everywhere. So they they tried to do it, and I think that they've been able to sell through their own stores in those places. But uh, and that's how it works in other countries. So um, you know, it's just not allowed here because of this uh, age old law that's been on the books in so many states. So if you wanted to get a Tesla now, uh, but you didn't want to drive to Raleigh, how would you do that? So you would order it online. Anybody can uh-huh. sit down at your desk computer, or your home computer, and. Go online and and you can go through menus and pick the add-ons you want and customize this thing. I mean, every one of these things is custom made right now, basically. And, yeah. Uh, and then you uh, you know you go through the transaction and you, they will deliver it to you. Um, they may deliver it to, for example, the the Matthews Gallery there, but you wouldn't you know the purchase wouldn't be made there. The purchase would be made online or through a store in another state. And you if, can't you can't buy it through an online there either. You have to go home and buy it. If you're in, in Matthews, yeah. you cannot use any computer there to do it. They can't even talk to you about the price there. Wow. Can they talk to you about add-ons and things like that? They can help you to understand what's available. They can okay. educate you. The, uh, right now, the, the other big thing for Tesla is they are – there's a lot of education in buying an electric car. I mean think about it. If you went to buy one, what mm-hmm. would your questions be? You know, How far oh. does it go? Yeah. Um, these cars, the, the Tesla models that are out right now, uh, average between – 250 and 290 miles on a single charge. Um, and, uh, you know, that it's not a lot compared to your car, although it depends on what kind of mileage you get on your in your gas tank there. Um, you know, some cars get 300 miles. That's not unusual. So, um, But they're doing a lot of education about electric cars. And for them, uh, you know, their expert who testified this week said, we're really out here to help change the entire automobile market. We think everybody should be driving an electric car. We think we need to rid the planet of gas-powered cars. And we're not going to be the only ones to do this. You know, we think that other automakers will eventually get it, and there will be other electric vehicles on the market that will help to fill the demand that they see coming once people really get on board with uh, thinking about the the danger to the planet from burning gasoline in your engine. Mm-hmm. There's some nice looking cars too. I, I think I, I I parked next to one in uh, in Fort Mill, uh, a, a strip mall, you know, off the the side of the wall, and and yes, their strategy has been to build the best electric car out there and and the best car on the market, and yeah. through that to persuade people that an electric car is not something to be afraid of. I, I interviewed uh, a woman who attended the hearing on the first day. Her name is Leilani Munter from Cornelius. She's a race car driver and a uh, an activist. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, she talked about this car as being, it, it's just as good as anything else she could want. Um, she, she's a race car driver. Well, the Model S will go from zero to a hundred in about six seconds, which is as fast as any car on the market. And she said, you know, you can get performance and you can get, uh, savings on gasoline. And, you know, this is as good as anything else she could get out there. So how much cleaner, I'm putting you on the spot here, but how much cleaner are these electric cars? Uh, it's, I mean, they're not with, yeah, they don't burn gasoline, but they're not emissions free. They just burn. They just burn fuel or energy from the power plant. And so how much cleaner are they? And you put me on the spot, and I don't don't mm. know the answer to that. But um, you know, that's evolving as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Leilani Munter, who I interviewed, she's got solar panels on her roof in Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> she charges her cars using those. She says, "I'm driving on sunshine." Wow, <laughs> that's that's uh, so all all of her all of her cars purely. She said she hasn't energy. been to a gas station in, in, since 2013. And yeah. uh, so, you know, I mean, obviously, cool. if you plug it <laughs> in at your house, you know, you're going to be using electricity that was probably generated by a gas-fired power plant or something. So, yeah. um, but. But the emissions, it probably doesn't have much emissions. It has zero it's, emissions. Yeah. From I the car. From yeah, the car. From the actual right. car, zero right. emissions. But, yeah, sure, from from a plant, if you're using that, that kind of energy, sure. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting too is this is a high stakes hearing, and it's in some dimly fluorescent lit building or room in a at a at a DMV or a Department of Transportation maintenance center. <laughs> Did you get yeah. the sense that there was there was that this was a high stakes hearing? Uh, it doesn't sound like a high stakes environment. It didn't, but when you got in there, you could tell that everybody was kind of up on their uh, toes, ready to make their arguments. Um, you know, I heard about it from somebody in town, uh, one of the environmental activists in town who sent me an email and said, hey, you know, this is happening. You probably know this is happening, but, you know, I just wanted to let you know. And I sent him back an email. I said, no, I didn't. And uh, he actually linked me to a blog post that uh, I read. And I said, you know, there's really something interesting. And I went and looked up the uh, the notice for the meeting and, and decided I had to go down there. So. Well, and that's a, that's a message to our, our listeners. Never assume that we know. <laughs> and, that's and, right. Uh, so that's uh, – anyway, great – Yeah, great shout, re- out, shout out to Dustin. Okay. Great reporting and, uh, you know, we'll be following to uh, see, what, see what happens. Lisa, uh, let's move on to something you worked on this week, Common Core. There were, last year at this time, there was all this – or was it two years ago? I lose track of things. Oh, there, it was there, going on probably yeah. for about a year and a half or oh, something. Yeah, for – yeah. You heard about Common Core, all, all this concern from about Common Core, and and there was a big debate at the legislature. Then they decided to, uh, what they they did they put a hold on Common Core. Said we're going to keep Common Core for now, but we're going to have a committee to recommend changes. And then we haven't really heard anything until now. It's been it's, it's been pretty quiet. So this is so this is kind of the timeline. It was summer of 2014 when the legislature passed a bill and said. Um, appointed this commission. They they basically said we're keeping Common Core until we can get something better, but we want to do away with Common Core. And so this commission is going to um, figure out what we need to replace it with. And so they met over the period of last year and finally had recommendations at the end of December. And the recommendations were pretty modest changes, and there was some disagreement, um, especially when you were talking about uh, some of the high school math stuff. For example, you know, the old way of doing it was Algebra 1, Geometry, Algebra 2. And the Common Core way of doing it was to integrate geometry throughout those three years and the idea that you're, you're building on this. And that was a disagreement among that commission, what to do. And, and finally, it broke down that their recommendation – 
uh, was not to not to change that aspect. So then, but you know, they can't come up with the standards themselves. That is up to the state board of education. They figure out the standards. The state board of education review standards every uh, every few years, and so they were in the middle of the review, you know, starting to get input feedback from people on the Common Core when this came up and this commission was um, um, appointed. And so they kind of put things on hold to wait to hear from their feedback. So, yeah, I mean, these are the first standards, the proposed standards we've seen since the whole uh, uproar about Common Core. And, yeah, I mean. And that's just kind of, okay, a little little blip, but not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were tweaks. Um, yeah, there were tweaks, but nothing really major. They clarified some things. And I mean, it's not it's not surprising necessarily because, I mean, for example, that that commission didn't, you know, come back with a lot of big changes and, and wasn't wasn't that specific about it. Um, you did have one of the state lawmakers saying at one of those last meetings, the review commission saying kind of warning them like we're not seeing I forgot what his quote was, but you could tell he was hoping that they would have come back with much more mm-hmm. and um not pleased about that. But the interesting part of this process now is that um, after the State Board of Education votes on these changes, I believe then at that point it goes to the state legislature for discussion was how they said yesterday for discussion. Right. Um, But it'll be interesting to see if um, that prompts another debate about Common Core or you know, maybe maybe that's been passed in, in the cycle. So, so. When, when it's the, gone from the headlines. To what degree does that affect the yeah? The, so maybe the, uh, the, the push here, for it, right? yeah, the energy. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to to see. But the state board of education uh, is scheduled to approve uh, changes next month. Here's our open question: When does HB two disappear from the headlines? And that is not a prompt for us to talk about that. Oh gosh. Uh, I don't, not anytime soon. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. you're right. Uh, interest, uh, next week shall be interesting for that. Yeah, Stay uh, tuned. Yeah, David and I have a little side bet of what's going to happen <laughs> with the <laughs> – I, uh, I am uh, betting that uh, nothing will happen with HB2 in this short session. And I, and I had bet that the pressure would build and there would be some – not necessarily that it would all be overturned, but there would be some movement on it and some change to the law this session. And the pressure is certainly building, so I could be wrong. But you know, New York Times editorial today was uh, pretty hard hitting. So, yeah. so uh, I haven't read that yet. I saw you yeah. sent that out. Uh, uh, but yeah, we have uh, we have a not just a, any lunch at stake. We have uh, a legitimate like a, a sushi. I've, I've said uh, I, my request is uh, for a sushi lunch or something. That sounds so, good to yeah, me. I'm is, looking yeah. forward to having you buy it for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Dave, uh, thanks for uh, – glad you were in the studio finally with us. Yeah, thanks. All right. Lisa? Yeah, thank you. you. All right. Take care, guys. 